You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, Good evening, everybody, guys. We're going to get into the daily delivery of all things Dog Pound as we march our way closer and closer to April 25th and getting the 2019 draft, you know, on the tracks, up and running, and, you know, see where we're at after that, and, you know, things can happen. Obviously, it's quiet here. Uh, Not much left in the way of free agency. Body or two, maybe. Something can happen here between then. Uh, We're going to continue with the mock draft, uh, the final first-round mock draft that we're going to do. We'll do a picks 11 through 20 here this evening. Uh, uh, Just a quick recap, obviously, of 1 through 10. Arizona, Kyler Murray. Uh, Mr. Bosa headed out to San Francisco with a new, fresh, clean Twitter account. Good Josh Allen, a New York Jet going back home to where he belongs. He can't, you know, obviously where he came from. Quinton Williams to Oakland. Uh, the the not number one linebacker, Devin White, five to Tampa Bay. Rashawn Gary, New York Giants. Actually, this one seems to have picked up steam since actually when we sat down and recorded this last last Sunday. Uh, Brian Burns to Jacksonville. Ed Oliver makes his way up into Detroit for Buffalo. Go ahead and protect your franchise quarterback with Mr. Dillard out of Washington State. Um, very underrated. Denver, who the hell knows at this point? Uh, we put Drew Locke here at this point. Um, I guess people open with this. Uh, you know, there was the first ten. Um, I, I guess we got to kind of you know mention a little bit. The Russell Wilson noise. Uh, Russell Wilson wants a boatload of money. Basically, by what? Uh, I guess it would be what 9 a.m. West Coast time tomorrow. So figure noon on the East Coast. Um, and now there's rumblings. Russell Wilson would like to go other places. Maybe him and the fact that he does have a pop star wife would like to be in New York. Uh, it, it, I, I guess some messes brewing in Seattle, Pete. No, he has no leverage. He can he can cry and moan all he wants. He's going to take it, and he's going to ultimately get a big contract, and they're going to get it done. Whether they get it done on his schedule is unlikely, but they'll get it done. He has no way they can he they they can tell him for the better part of the next three years to suck on an egg and like it um, between the franchise tag and using it multiple times if need be. It's really really stupid uh to give a fake deadline and i and i get it he wants a contract he deserves a contract but he doesn't have as much power as he thinks he does and threatening of of all places if this is even a thing new york like who gives a shit um like they don't have enough stuff to send for russell wilson they you know two first round picks is not enough uh so yeah, I think Seattle can... Well, think about it this way. If we said Odell is unfetchable unless it's two first-round picks, maybe the Giants obviously view Jabril Peppers pretty high. What the hell do you think you're getting Russell Wilson for? Right. It's it's not realistic on any level. And, and you know, even... Let's say let's say the the Giants give up 6-17 and they're, and they're 20-21st. What are the Seahawks going to do with it? Like, they... That, that just completely screws them on any number of levels. They're basically, at that point, tearing it down because they're not that far away from a teardown anyway. So, I mean, if you do it, I guess you're basically embracing the fact that you're going to go all the way to the studs and really get this thing uh, started over. But, again, they have all the leverage here, and he can – he. They, I mean, at best, I think 
all you're going to get by this quote unquote deadline is an agreement to work out a contract. Like that's about as far as this goes. All, everything else about this is noise. And this is why it's not getting much coverage either. There's just not much there. Uh, it's artificial. We've seen this done before. It doesn't work. Uh, unless you've got a mandate from ownership, they have all the power here. Uh, and, you know, he can hold out, but then he's giving up this much money to do it. So I think it's a lot of noise that doesn't mean much. Ultimately, Seattle will get it done. They'll ultimately get uh, the deal done with Frank Clark. They will be a mediocre football team that goes further than they should based on Russell Wilson, and that'll be where what happens. Well, I mean, if anything, if Russell Wilson there's your sales pitch, this team goes as I go. Um, and the other thing is, well, you know, maybe he wants to go to New York. Um, I, I look if if they've kind of already told Eli, look, you're the guy. We may draft somebody. I, I don't see the Giants in the way in their old school thinking, and obviously Gettleman, which goes right along with it, is they're just going to say now, well, all right, Eli, here's the final straw. Russell Wilson wants to come here. We're going to throw you the hell out the door. Whatever, retire, do whatever you got to do, get the hell out of here. Uh, we'll just bring in Russell Wilson. I, there's just no way it all mixes and matches. And look, just pay him, Seattle. Just pay him. Guy right. put a, and guy put a Lombardi in, in in your offices. Pay him. Not only not only that, but. Yeah, Russell Wilson could fire Pat Shermer from Seattle. Of course. <laughs> like, of all the, you know, like, if you're trying to tell me he really wants to go to the Giants, Pat Shermer and Dave Gettleman, come on. Yeah, that's the, <laughs> that's actually, <laughs> I really want to go play for Pat Shermer. I really want to be part of the I'm process. I'm just dying to go yes. play for Pat Shermer. And so I want to be around for that. another Dave Gettleman draft class. I am oh. all here for it. Absolutely. When he you know, drafted Rashad Penny, who turned into Rashad double double dimes. But with that being said, Pete here, we will start progressing with the final 2019 first-round Mac, which will have the Cincinnati Bengals on the board. Uh, judging by the way you've gone this far, I know what I think the pick should be. Let's see if Pete goes this route. Number 11, Pete, Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I think Mike Brown's going to puss out. Uh, I don't think they're going to take a quarterback as much as that should be the move. Especially uh, one that maybe played in Ohio, of all places? They could. I mean, <laughs> look, they, they could go any number of ways. But ultimately, I, I think Dwayne Haskins would be a great situation for them. But ultimately, I have them going with Devin Bush. Um they they need line yeah yeah I told you I told you when we did this last time it was gonna hurt you uh they have needed linebacker help for ages they just moved on from Vontez Perfect they've got some young guys but you know they're not proven they're not very you know great at this point I like Vigil I like what Malik uh, Jefferson can be. But they need a, a stud in there, and, and Devin Bush can give them that. And he gives them the stuff. They, 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 even when they've had linebackers, this was the main issue they've had, is they had guys who weren't terribly athletic, weren't very rangy, and couldn't cover. Devin Bush sort of addresses all of those things, gives them a second-level player behind a, a, a still pretty good defensive line and in front of a still pretty good secondary. So the, the Bengals' offense will be a major question mark, uh, even despite having some star talent, but the defense will have guys at every level that can be good. Uh, the thing with Devin Bush, and obviously Pete, well before the combine, we spoke about him and his game. Um, look, obviously to the Florida State fan and me, I was a huge fan of his father. I still speak with his father. Uh, I remember talking with his father on National Signing Day and like, well, what's going on? And he's like, I truly don't know. 
Um, and he, at the, Devin Bush Jr. at the time, was not the type of linebackers Florida State was looking for uh, because he is a little bit under six feet. They may have, you know, and this may be part of the reason why Florida State <laughs> went through the last three years that they did. Um, but once we got the combine effort out of Devin Bush, I think he became, in my opinion, one of the safest players in this draft. The tape is there. Uh, his pursuit is fantastic. Um, he's physical. There is no doubt about that. Um, the angles are solid. And then you add in the fact that he tested like a really ridiculously good athlete. I think Devin Bush, it's such a simple plug play, and you know what you have with this guy. Also, you throw into the age, and he's still just a baby in that respect. But, you know, he's you know he's a guy who's you know talks with – I mean, one of his mentors, for God's sakes, is Derek Brooks. I mean – Everything about Devin Bush just screams it'll be such an easy 10- to 12-year career in the league where he'll be, you know, a 100-tackle-a-year guy. Uh, you know, I hate to see him go to Cincinnati, but in the same respect, he is just a linebacker, and he should do his job and do it well. Let's just hope that anytime he ever faces the Browns, Baker Mayfield's throwing through 350, and we won't have to care, care so much about, you know, the run game that day. But he's just he's just a player through and through. And every possibility of it, and you know, obviously, you know, I mean, for me, one of the, you know my favorite players in this class, and it's crazy that his two and a half years up in Ann Arbor went as fast as they did. Uh, it just, you know, time, guys. I mean, don't blink; you'll miss everything. Uh, first of two selections here in the first round pick uh, in the first round mock, the Green Bay Packers up at twelve. Pete, uh, th- this is one team. I mean, you know, because with the, when you get two selections, there's so much rumored. You could go this on offense. You could go this on defense. Flip flop. You, you know. Invert the names who apply better to later in the draft, as opposed to the guys who apply here at 12. Um, but look, I mean, it's you, you can't keep missing the playoffs when you got Aaron Rodgers. So you've got to make sure you've kind of fill in every hole. They spent a ton of money in free agency this year, which has never really been a Green Bay thing. But now you get to add that to two first-round selections, which puts puts them on the clock here at 12. Yeah, um, obviously the front office has gone in a different direction from Ted Thompson. Their their drafts have fallen. Uh, short in recent years, and it has Which seems created... to happen with the older your front office gets. But you know, they they've really run into a talent deficiency, and so they went out and signed a bunch of guys to sort of fill that hole. And and I think in a lot of ways they did. They don't have a lot of obvious needs, but they do have you know areas they can get better. And one of those areas they can get better is tight end. Um, they have two tight ends that aren't bad; they're just old. Um, and with that, I, I gave them T.J. Hawkinson from Iowa. Uh, this has not been the traditional way the Green Bay Packers have gone, uh, but they have a new coach. Uh, and the last time they had a guy who was like T.J. Hawkinson, they won a Super Bowl. Uh, unfortunately, he jumped into the hot tub with kids who were with girls who were way underage. But nevertheless. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson is just a fantastic football player. He can block. He can do a lot of things that can help in the in the passing game, help in the running game, give them a unique passing target for Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, he's young, but he, he looks like he's ready to contribute. He looks like he's a guy who can come in immediately and start helping them. And, you know, that may be a nice change up from what they've been doing to give them a little more toughness inside, be able to spread things out in terms of spacing and all those things. Uh He's just a fantastic football player, and the Packers, because they have two first-round picks and they don't have a lot of needs, can really just go with talent. And, you know, you can certainly make the case that T.J. Hawkinson is one of the most talented players in this class. 
Um, you know, obviously the blocking speaks for itself. Um, you're going to hope for, you know, some more progression through the receiving aspect of his game, which, you know, just alone you're going to hope for that, obviously, you know, coming from Iowa. Uh, and here he's not put in a position, in position where, you know, it gets tricky with redshirt sophomores sometimes. You, 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 you want to be careful with how early you draft them and how much you're going to put on their plate. Obviously, there's veterans in the building, so he can pick their brains. And it's good because, you know, he, he can talk to Jimmy Graham about how to become a better receiving tight end. He doesn't need to talk to many people about becoming a better blocking tight end. Um, you know, obviously, he, you know, that is the strength of the game now. He is no slouch as a receiver. It's a nice scenario where you're also you're not just putting so much on his plate, you know, which you know tends to be an issue sometimes with redshirt sophomores. But T.J. Hawkinson, absolutely a player and would be a, a phenomenal fit, and hopefully they're smart enough to realize that Aaron Jones is – a full-time running back where you can throw it to him. Obviously, you have Devontae Adams. you got the uh, kind of skyscraping wide receivers with agility and with speed that they drafted last year. Could make for a lot of open room between the hashes, you know, 10 to 15 to 25 yards on the field, which TJ Hawkinson could easily excel at. So it's, it's for me, it's a no-brainer selection there. Um, guys, iTunes, rating reviews. Um, you guys have been phenomenal over the last few days. Um, but, you know, obviously, you know, it helps the show, helps with the growth of the show. So please continue to do so. I do appreciate that. And that will take us, Pete, here. And this is one, guys, where it's it's rumored, you know, would the Browns trade up? Uh, I I don't even want to see the price tag for the Browns to trade up to pick 13 from 49. Uh, but, you know, it, we're not going to do that even here anyway. Um, the Miami Dolphins, Pete, up at 13. And Miami Dolphins just seem like they are a team that, like, just we're going to get through this year and hopefully, for God's sakes, we'll be drafting one or two in 2020. So the Dolphins have a unique situation in that, on the one hand, they are clearly trying to tank uh, and get uh, way more assets. That's but what happens other, when you sign a 250-pound quarterback out of Harvard. But the, the, on, the, on the flip side, maybe they didn't anticipate Dwayne Haskins being available here, and maybe they, they consider it. Having said that, I think they trust the plan that gets them into a what what they are hoping is a better quarterback class uh, and opt to take Montez Sweat because I don't know who the Dolphins' defensive ends are right now. Uh, <laughs> and he's really, really athletic. Obviously, he was really productive. He's not polished, uh, super polished. So, you know, he's a guy they can take their time with and sort of work to develop. But he gives, you know, just, just trying to acquire as much talent as possible. Uh, he is, you know, certainly an incredibly gifted player at this point, may just be the best player on the board. So they can go ahead and take him, uh, be patient with him, uh, get him ready, uh, lose heartily, uh, and hopefully he provides some nice flashes as they go. Yeah, well, there's no doubt about that. Uh, and look, Sweat was a guy, look, and this was, I, I mean, I guess you know, we went with this, Pete, obviously with you being down in Mobile. He was a guy we had serious consideration for. Could have been a name at 17. Obviously a lot has changed there with Olivier Vernon and all that stuff that changed. Um, then he went out and just put together a insane, insane combine effort where he, you know, just, you know, I mean, he's sub four or five. Everything about the guy. Um, look, he's... And what was it? I think it was 23 and a half sacks in two years in Starkville. Um, look, if you're going to start building, and if you're Miami, where it's hopefully enough that it's not going to change the altar of your your path, maybe it is obviously you know defensive end now. Obviously, very similar to Miles Garrett going one overall and going 0 and 16 as a rookie, to then getting 
obviously the reinforcements brought in where you go to seven, eight, and one year two. I don't know if there's going to be enough that Sweat can do in you know year one as a rookie that's going to alter the plan. But good player, fantastic athlete. Um, obviously, I think the pressure's on him probably a little bit more now with the way he tested, along with you know the numbers. I mean, there's going to be people ready to see if Montez Sweat doesn't deliver. But it's, I, I don't see how it doesn't happen. Um, even if it's, you know, 8, 9, 10 a year, uh, all that agility, all that success should translate to something, which comes to the Atlanta Falcons, Pete, up with selection 14. Yeah, uh, this is one of the picks that I, is exactly the same from the first time we did this. Uh, I gave them Christian Wilkins. I think they would love to move up and get Ed Oliver if they feel like they, it's gettable or he just falls to them somehow. But given that that's unlikely, I think they're still going to draft a defensive tackle. They just signed Taylor Davis, Tyler Davis, in yesterday, uh, and I, I still don't think that's enough. And the biggest thing the Falcons have to address is the fact they are a soft football team, and they need to ad- draft as much toughness as they can possibly get. And, and there's no question that that Christian Wilkins may not be, you know, the greatest player. Uh, in terms of like upside and stuff, but he's a really, really solid player. Uh, and he, he's a, a bonus in terms of what he brings to your locker room. He's going to make you know guys around him better and those things. But, he, you know, paired with uh, Grady Jarrett, they can really get good uh, and, and hopefully eliminate that issue uh, and, and be a much tougher football team. So, yeah, I, it's boring on some level uh, that it's the same pick, but it, it really does feel like this is the obvious pick for them. Uh, it's just a way to go. I mean, you, you know, in Atlanta, they, sh- you know, in their opinion, they should not be drafting here. Um, so you go ahead, you make that selection, and maybe now at fifteen with the Washington Redskins, we maybe maybe Dwayne Haskins. Based on you know where we're at. Um, I still think they're the early favorite to, you know, they, they or they seem like the heavy favorite at this point to go get Josh Rosen, but we don't have Josh Rosen on the team. So given that reality, uh, it does seem like the, the best play here would be Dwayne Haskins. So yeah, they go ahead and grab him. Um, the thing with Alex Smith is incredibly unfortunate. I mean, they were a, looked to be a almost lock to make the playoffs and then he breaks his leg and everything falls apart. But uh, Dwayne Haskins really does feel like he could be a really good quarterback in that type of offense. Uh, maybe not as mobile as Jay Gruden might prefer, but I don't know how you know safe John, Jay Gruden's future is anyway. So they That's may not point. care about it so much. But in in, in, in just getting a, a a good drop back quarterback that can get the ball out and and be a a a guy who can, you know, sort of a point guard and just get the ball out and let playmakers make plays, he does seem like a guy who can do that. And maybe a year of development behind uh, what is now Case Keenum for the moment would be good for him. Uh, but, yeah, they, you know, I, I still think ultimately we may uh, – Josh Rosen. They, they, they still may end up with, uh, yeah, Josh Rosen, but – for the moment, because they don't, and, and, and ultimately he may go elsewhere. If this drags on to the point where we get to the draft and he's not there, then they, they may have to make a move. And in this case, that'd be uh, going with uh, with uh, Dwayne Haskins. Well, I guess the, the thing would be, you know, what would be the price? I mean, you know, there's so much. The thing with Josh Rosen is nobody can seem to give you a concrete answer of 
you know, for these teams who are going to possibly acquire him, what exactly is the proper compensation? Uh, you know, some people saying you got to pay the tax on the fact, you know, you know, that he has played and didn't look too great. But granted, Arizona was an absolute S show to begin with. But, you know, he went 10th last year. I mean, is he still worth a first-round pick? In this class, I definitely probably think he's still worth a, somebody's first-round selection. Um, Haskins is interesting to the Redskins due to the fact that, you know, New Jersey guy does have Maryland ties. Uh, you, you, you got to do something. And the other thing is, is um, if Jay Gruden is on borrowed time, what is your selling point to a prospective head coach? It's certainly not Chase Keenum. Uh, so, you know, you, you're going to have to, you know, play that, you know, uh, you know, step and toe, so to speak, to figure out how you know, you're going to move on from that, which will put the Carolina Panthers on the clock. Um, and, well, you know, Dave Gettleman's old stopping grounds before we get to Dave Gettleman again. Um, just added Chris Hogan. The receivers are there. You have, obviously, you know, Cam Newton, as long as, you know, the shoulder is up to snuff. Christian McCaffrey, a fantastic player. I, I'm assuming, Pete, it's got to be something offensive line or it's got to be something defense. Right. So, you know, you mentioned it. It's Cam Newton's shoulder. It's Cam Newton's body. It's Cam Newton. You know, he's the engine, and they've got to be right there. And to this point, they have not been. They're not set at left tackle. Uh, they're not set it really any anywhere, honestly, other than <laughs> you know center. They got Matt Paradis, who's a really good player. Trey Turner's a pretty good player. Everybody else is a question mark. Their projected starting left tackle right now is ta- uh, Taylor Moten. I think the best play here is to draft, you know, and again, some of this is on faith because you don't have any athletic numbers. Uh, Joan Taylor out of Florida, which would then allow them to move Moten to a guard position, left guard perhaps, unless they really like a guy like Greg Van Roten. But I think their best play, yeah, exactly. Uh, that would you know up, potentially upgrade two positions. Uh, hopefully, get them back to being able to, uh, to more of a physical football team in terms of running the ball. Hopefully, not as much Cam Newton uh, slamming himself into things. But uh, they, you know, if he's going to be a passer, they've got to protect him. If he's going to be a runner, they've got to help him. Uh, either way, it's about getting better up front. Uh, and being able to sort of get back to where they were successful. Because um, I, I, you know, with with Carolina and with a little bit of their demise from being a good team is the fact that they don't really run the ball like they were accustomed to in the years where they were successful. Um, look, it's great that Christian McCaffrey is the, you know, the threat out of the backfield that he is, but the guy can still run the ball, and he runs pretty well between the tackles. So get yourself better to that. Um, obviously, Juwan Taylor, I know he's had a visit there with Carolina. Um, stabilize the offensive line. Because keeping Cam Newton healthy first and foremost, and look, part of this is on Cam. Um, you can't continuously run forever, and at six foot five, you know, you're just you're gonna take your shots. I mean, it, it's really hard to make yourself compact and avoid these things. But you have to, you know, maximize what you have, and you know, it, it, the fact that you know Cam, his body's getting older year, you know, it, it, uh, at a, a speedier face than it should, speedier rate than it should. Due to the fact that he's taking all these hits, and you know you got to protect the money maker, and right now that's Cam Newton. Right now it's Cam Newton's body. Um, part of it's on him, but you know the other thing is you got to do him a favor and give him a little bit better of an offensive line. And also, if you've got DJ Moore and you've got McCaffrey and you've got all these other weapons, you've got to find a way to you know you know uh, monopolize these and get yourself to a better situation than where your season is done by. I guess it was what week 11 or maybe 12 or 13 last year where, you know, you went into Cleveland and you had your season effectively ended for, you know, all 
<clears throat> intents and purposes. Um, Rashawn Gary, uh, Rashawn Gary, to the New York Giants at pick selection here, Pete. Uh, the Giants come up again here, obviously, you know, the Odell Beckham pick. Um, New York Giants here up at 17. Um, obviously, you know, quarterback would still be an issue. They're still, you know, obviously in need of more playmakers. Obviously, Gary could hopefully be a nice addition for them. But, you know, they, they still need a ton, the New York Giants, which is the route that it goes here. Yeah, so... Uh, you feel Giants, bad. You don't even want to say it, and I know where you're going. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's the, the, the Giants just seem to be intent on being an awful football team. Uh, but, you know, if you're saying you traded away Odell Beckham, I think part of the pressure is that you get, you know, you take a big hack, and I think they're going to do that, and it's going to be quarterback, so they go ahead and take Daniel Jones. Ouch. Uh, you know, he better be, you know, good. He has to be develop quickly behind Eli Manning uh, and, and you know, be able to deliver on on trading uh, Odell Beckham, everything that comes with that. But uh, they have to take a quarterback. Uh, they should have done it last year. This is the punishment for it. Uh, and and maybe he can be be a good player. I'm not I'm not betting on it, but you know that this is the move. This is the move that's ultimately going to define this combined with last year taking Saquon Barkley over you know the likes of of. Uh, uh, Darnold. Sam Darnold and all those guys is the defining moment of Dave Gettleman's, you know, te- uh, tenure in New York. I think it ends poorly, but it almost feels like they have to do this. And maybe they try to trade back a little bit, or maybe they're content to take him. But yeah, Daniel Jones. Um, well, when you're old, old and antiquated in your thinking, which the New York Gi- Giants are, which made Dave Gettleman the fantastic hire for what those gentlemen want to do up there. Uh, for the New York Giants, um, you're okay with taking a running back at two. No disrespect on Saquon Barkley, talented, did everything they've probably much pretty much asked of him. But you went from drafting two overall to drafting six overall. You traded away what should be going into 2019, a, an incredibly serious weapon within the passing game. If you had drafted a quarterback at two overall, so you move on from Odell Beckham, you get yourself in this situation here. Uh, you bring in Golden Tate, you extend Sterling Shepard, you have a whole bunch of guys that excel in short, quick routes within the 8 to 10 yards, uh, you know, from the line of scrimmage. Um, it, Daniel Jones, because he played at Duke and because he's got Cutcliffe ties, and we all know how it highly regarded it is to the Manning family, yada, 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 uh, this just reeks of doing something for the sake of, because it's familiar and it's common and this is what you should do, to, you know, maybe by early 2020, oh yeah, this was a huge mistake, and everybody's going to get fired. And the Giants, again, will be basically drafting top five and going through this route in this scenario one more time. Um, Which goes to Selection 18P, the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, If there's a team, first things first, obviously, God bless them, because they keep finding a way to keep handing out a whole bunch of money to everybody in the building and still manipulating that cap the way they need to, but they probably need to hit on something offensive line here, Pete, and they better hit, and the player better hit, and hit well for them. Right, so, yeah, obviously this is all about uh, Kirk Cousins and making him successful, and, you know, you look at their offensive line, and it's all about the interior, and obviously they they tried to make a move to uh, trade for Kevin Zeitler, um, and so a lot of people are looking at guard, and understandably, but I look at center, and it's no better. I'd argue it's even 
you know, just as shitty. Uh, <laughs> so with that, they take you know a guy who's a really, really good player, and they go ahead and grab Garrett Bradbury, the Ooh, center from NC State. Um, you know, arguably a top fifteen player in this draft class. He's a really, really, really good player, and should be able to step in and play immediately. Hopefully, that stabilizes them on the inside at center, which hopefully helps them at guard a little bit. But uh, yeah, I think, I think if they, you know, they should obviously could take guard, but I think center might do more for them uh, initially, and that's where they go with Bradbury. Well, another, it's never a bad idea to go with, you know, obviously the, you know, the quarterback of, you know, your offensive line and somebody to make the calls. And uh, I think Bradbury himself, the, the name has just gone higher and higher as the process has gone on. Um, he, you know, uh, all the, all, all the calls, all the, you know, everything, obviously in North Carolina state, um, the athletic, uh, the athleticism, uh, he pulls well, um, he can excel if it's a man scheme or it is a zone scheme. I think it's a great selection. Uh, you obviously, you have your investments in you know everything in your skill position. So it's time to just make sure this offensive line do what you need them to do. And that was part of the issue because you know, obviously Kirk Cousins, um, he's about uh, as allergic to pressure as I am to penicillin. So you need to do everything to make sure that he's going to see the least amount of rush possible. So I do like this one. I wasn't expecting it. I was thinking more we were going to go, you know, you know, outside or you know whatever. But Bradbury here at 18 in Minnesota, uh, you know, maybe not the sexiest pick when you go center at 18, but it may be more of one of the better fits in what you actually need for success for Minnesota, which will bring us to 19, the Tennessee Titans. Um, obviously, you know, a lot of this in this entire season for the Tennessee Titans is basically on the shoulders of Marcus Mariota. It's, you know, I mean, it's it's now or never. Um, you were a great college player. You've had some success in the NFL, but you were drafted two overall. Uh, if it's not now, then it's maybe it's a question of it's never. It's a question of whether it's going to be never for Marcus Mariota in Tennessee. But either way, Pete, here they're up at 19. Right, so Tennessee is interesting in that they don't have a lot of obvious needs. Um, they have plugged a lot of holes. Now, you can make the argument that some of these guys aren't aren't as good as you would like, but they don't have a lot of obvious issues to address, and th- even the ones they do have uh, that you can make a case for don't necessarily have an obvious player that can go here, with the exception of one. Uh, and, and obviously, they've invested a ton in their offensive line, They've got two, you know, bookend tackles they like. Yep. They've got a, a well-paid left guard, uh, you know, a decent center in Ben Jones. But right guard is an issue. Uh, it's Kevin Hampfile right now as a projected guy, maybe. So, uh, you know, and, and their offense is so predicated on running the ball, and they need to protect uh, – they need to protect Mariota, and now they've got Tannehill. Both are guys who tend to get injured. Yep. Uh, both are guys who don't need to get hit. Uh, so with that, they go ahead and grab Chris Lindstrom, the guard out of Boston College, uh, who's a really, really good player, uh, just fantastic road grading type guy that hopefully, you know, and obviously Tennessee, you know, in, in some ways is emulating Dallas here with the amount of they've invested up front. They're hoping to get a big payoff. But when you've got Derrick Henry and you're really trying to ride him uh, and you've, you're wanting to get more out of your passing game, which you've invested weapons into with Adam Humphreys coming in with Corey Davis and you've still got Taewon Taylor and you've still got Ty Sharp and all these other guys, that it's more about protection up front. And, you know, maybe they're a team that thinks about DK Metcalf, but or or you know a tight end, 
but they've got guys that you know if they were to go with uh, with Noah Fant, they've got guys who sort of do that. Now that doesn't mean they couldn't do couldn't you know double up, but it seems like receiver would be more likely in that scenario. But I, I just don't see a receiver that's worth going that high. Meanwhile, Chris Lindstrom does. Uh, he's a really really good player and come come in and and immediately give them a a great uh, player that firms up the offensive line again. And actually, I, I, you know, wasn't thinking the selection was coming, but I, I like the fit as far as, you know, between him and the tackles, you, you're putting in an offensive line of a bunch of, I mean, just a bunch of freaking bullies who, you know, have no problem getting their nose dirty, have no problem, you know, a little action after the whistle, going all out every play. And the best part about that is if these guys are going to go at that level, you know, from the first snap and, you know, obviously, you know, the entire game, and then you've got a guy like Derrick Henry at, I mean, whatever he's weighing these days, if we want to you know, be polite, we'll say 250, just literally leaning on you, you know, by the third quarter, the fourth quarter, where you're just, you know, you're just going to tap out just from sure, you know, pure exhaustion and just getting the daylights kicked out of you. Um, you know, Janu Smith, as, uh, Janu Smith, as long as he's, you know, his health comes around, obviously he suffered an injury. Uh, Delaney Walker, if he can come back and at least, you know, give you some of the veteran presence. And like you mentioned, the four receivers, um, they got a gem of a second-round pick last year, Pete, that will still continue to always shed a tear over. Yeah, I mean, that's maybe, I mean, because, but look, either way, you're going to have to find out whether or not one of these two guys on your roster is going to be your quarterback in 2020. So by, you know, setting up the offensive line for the best, you know, rate of success, along with everything else, you know, the skill positions, it will give you a true statement on whether or not you have a quarterback in the building for 2020 or not. So I, you know, that one I like and does make a ton of sense, which will bring us to the Pittsburgh Steelers. No Devin Bush. Sorry, he's a Cincinnati bag. But the Pittsburgh Steelers, Pete, um, pick 20. Uh, there's a there's probably a lot of ways you can go with this one. I thought that too. And then I looked at the way they constructed their roster, and it's they've really put themselves in a weird box. So there's a couple of things I thought about this. Uh, you know, I, I thought about Justin Lane, but they signed Joe Hayden to a weird contract. They signed Steven Nelson to a weird contract. So it seems unlikely that they'd take another guy there. Um, still got Henry Burns, man. They're fine. Yeah, they've, yeah they, they've still got Henry Burns, and they've still got Mike Hilton, and they've still got, you know, those guys. Uh, I, I've thought about Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, but they took Terrell Edmonds, and they could certainly put Gardner-Johnson as, you know, play him in the same position he was playing in college, which is that slot guy. Um, that's certainly an option, uh, but I'm not sure that they're willing to make that type of investment there, and certainly not, you know, two years in a row or whatever it is. In terms of that, and linebacker, they've sort of made peace with the fact that they're not getting these guys when they've signed. Uh, they signed what's his face, uh, Mark Barron, in yep. addition to you know to sort of insulate themselves against that. He's just so, going to be Morgan Burnett. That's all he's going right. to be. So uh, I'm looking at defensive. You know the pass rushers. Uh, Bud Dupree is bad. Um, T.J. Watt is very good. They've signed Anthony Chicklow to a weird extension. I don't understand. Nevertheless, they need more help there. And so, as a result, I gave them Cleveland Farrell from Clemson. Um, you know, they have a history of, you know, not going with the data on pass rushers. Bud Dupree is certainly an example of that. Uh, the dude from Georgia, uh, Jones. Jarvis Jones, baby. Jarvis Jones was in that category. And Cleveland Farrell's tape is tremendous. Uh, his athletic testing leaves you with a question mark. But, you know, he's a guy who is seems athletic enough to play 
you know, up on his speed if need be. Uh, if they want to go to more of a, a, a forefront with him as an end with T.J. Watt on his feet, they've certainly got an option there. But, again, they have constructed themselves into a very weird box. Now, the other possibility is that the Steelers go with a guy like Noah Fant. Um, and they could certainly do that. Vance McDonald was a revelation for them last year. Can't expect uh, to maybe get that two years in a row. Yeah, and then maybe they like that, but they've got guys like Xavier Grimble, and maybe they like him, or they could go with you know a receiver like DK Metcalf and try to keep that rolling. But Noah Fant is the guy I think is the most threatening here. But again, ultimately Cleveland Farrell is the dude they take. Um, well, I mean, look, I mean, if and it's weird to say this, if your blueprint now is what do we got to do to make sure we're keeping a head of the Cleveland Browns, and you look at their tackle situation, which you know. It's not great. Um, how do we rattle Baker Mayfield to get ourselves to victories over the Cleveland Browns? Again, Cleveland Browns. Again, which seems weird to say, but that's kind of you know where you're at if you're everybody else in the AFC North. Um, remember, guys, to get this show every day, subscribe to Locked on Browns on the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlists and their new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store, and make sure you guys are subscribed to Locked on Browns. That will bring us to selection... I'm sorry, that actually... Well, that will take care of... I'm sorry. That will take care of that as we close out this evening with number 20 to the Pittsburgh Steelers, Cleveland Farrell from the Clemson Tigers. Um, interesting. Um, look, uh, some names here. Noah Fant, not yet off the board. DJ Metcalf, not off the board. Um, Pete, if I'm checking correctly, Jonah Williams is still yeah, on the board? Yeah, he's still there. He's still there. Uh, it's, again, I, I, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't see it. So he remains. So some As he did the last time we did this. Yes, he did. Yes, he, I think he did end up going round one, though, right? He did end up yes, going round one, yes. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, be on that for, uh, obviously guys, we'll put, you know, put that one down the Monday, the week of the draft. You guys will get that. Uh, let me just dip in here. Uh, obviously everybody's busy here on a Thursday with the tiger mania. Um, I gotta be honest guys. Uh, if, if, you know, look, you know, golf fan or not, um, you talk about a guy who was literally out of a sport and just nothing was going right. His life wasn't going right. His health wasn't going right. That was a it, it was a cool it was just a cool cool sports moment today, and look I mean whether Tiger can keep this up and get even close back to the contention of the player he was, I don't even know if it matters. Like first things first, look Tiger Tiger Woods is loaded, and I mean like you know I mean guys we're talking loaded beyond loaded where his kids' lives are okay, and I did think it was funny and this is where you see the difference in Tiger now, as opposed to you know Tiger through his prime. You know, they were, you know, obviously the interview afterwards or whatever, and he was talking about, you know, his daughter being there today after losing a state tournament soccer game yesterday. And you see, like, the full evolution of Tiger Woods, who was just this kid who was ridiculously good at what he did. And now all that he's been through and a little bit humbled now and a dad and rocking the Mariano Rivera where it's just time. Tiger, just pick it, right, Pete? Well, when it's over, it's over. Just just admit the hair's gone. The hair... It looks like it looks like there's like a weird chemical fire. Um, but uh, here's the thing, uh, Tiger Woods. I have no strong feelings for Tiger Woods. I am genuinely fascinated at how much many people come out of the woodwork and are you know are are glued 
when he's in contention. I think uh, it's a little bit. I think it's a little bit different because Tiger's heyday was like pre-Twitter, was pre-social media being the thing that it is now. Um, I know. I mean, I know. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, you wanted to watch that. I mean, because the other thing was is you never saw fist pumps, and you never saw a guy like you know like almost flexing over, you know, nailing a 27-foot putt. But that's what he was. It's just now that he's back and it's he's in this error that we're in now where everything, I mean, Pete, when's the last time you saw golf gifts on, on Twitter? Oh, I see them every time Tiger's in contention. I mean, it's, there you go. it's, it's, it's it, you know, like I said, people come out of the woodwork to root for him, people who I would never associate with golf in general, and they wouldn't either. Um, but beyond that, that, that's always fascinating. But the big takeaway for me is when it comes to Tiger Woods is a guy who was a drug addict and he was addicted to painkillers. And in that sense, he was, you know, he was a guy who was not, you know, for all of his wealth, for all of his, you know, figurative power, he was not immune to addiction and it obviously took a significant toll i mean you think about like the pictures where you saw him get arrested and stuff like that and he looked like an actual you know a legit mess and certainly having means makes it easier to fight in terms of access and options to treatment but on that in that respect he is every he is every man the every person who's battled with this or every person who knows somebody who's battled this and on that standpoint it's very heartwarming it's very great to celebrate that that he is he has gotten to a point where he's healthy and he's back to community i mean he was you know at rock bottom in a lot of ways you know rock bottom is i mean still rich and still you know taken care of but you know the the guy you saw today and all these people uh all these, all these guys melting down, watching him hug his kids. You big pussy! Um, Shut up. Uh, where, where, <laughs> you know, you look at, you look at back then, and he was not in a position where he could do that. And you look at where he is now, where he's at the top of, you know, top of profession again, being in a position where he can do that with his kids. And obviously, I don't know him from, you know, anything. I don't know who he is behind the scenes. Maybe he's a giant douchebag. But in that moment. You are can be inspired by everything he's gone through to get to this point, and what that means for people who are battling. Who, you know, where where we're coming back from the addiction in their facing isn't winning the Masters. It's being able to hold down a job and to be a functional member of society and their family and and do those things. That's the that's my big takeaway. That was awesome. And look, I mean, and you brought up a great point with that, and obviously, you know, as you guys know, this is you know something that um, is very close to my heart. You know, I've lost two people in six months over these same battles, um, but there, it, it you know, it's a disease like no other. It, it doesn't know race, it doesn't know um, wealth. Um, if it can grab you, it can grab you, and that's probably a lot of what it did today. And the other thing is, is you know, even if Tiger's run had never gone off you know, the beaten course like it had. Um, the guys he's beating today, I mean, they're, you know, mid-20s, here's Tiger, you know, close to 44 years old, and just, you know, and, and all these guys, oh, wow, it's going to be such an honor, and, you know, these guys, you know, you know, when they were, you know, just coming up, at, you know, whether it was, you know, 16, 17, 18 in the golf world, it was at the point of where, you know, Tiger Woods was a myth now, he was nothing anymore, and then to, you know, oh, wow, it's going to be so great to be, you know, playing on Sunday and be in contention, and Tiger Woods is in it, and 
and the 43-year-old man took it home after all he's been through. Um, and look, I, I I will not apologize. I've seen him with the kids. I mean, that's a, it, it just it just breaks you up because I mean, man, the dude has been through a, a ton. Um, and obviously, you know, golf is a sport where your longevity can last obviously a, longer than any other career. But it just it was a great thing, and you just you know. The Masters today would not have been talked about, um, and I think I maybe knew one or two of those names. Uh, I'm not going to pretend I watch a lot of golf anymore, guys. Uh, the the two the two two girls, the wife, um, you know my sports stuff to be able to watch other things other than football and my Mets games is obviously limited. But just a, a great story to see today, and just you know it just it just fun to see, and it it, it also it, it's a reason that remem- reminds you why anybody would have fallen in love with sports whenever they did. You know, sometimes a good story for it all. It's just you know, a nice, nice feel-good. Um, the questions did not come today. I'm assuming everybody's enjoying the Tiger Mania. Apparently, Pete, there's some television show tonight that everybody's excited to get to. I kid. I've never seen an episode, but look, I will never, ever pick on anybody for what they enjoy. So for all you Game of Thrones folks, have at it. Have a blast. Yeah, um... I enjoy Game of Thrones. I think it's great. Okay. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm not like, you know, I don't sit here tweeting about it all the time, but I do enjoy the show. It's great. Um, you know, if, if you, you say so, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, some people cry at golfing events. Some people watch good TV. I mean, these are the choices you make in life. Uh, good, good, good TV. Good TV. Good TV. All right, we'll, we'll go with you can that. Go, go watch a Cheers rerun or, or two, and uh, good I'll, TV. I'll be over here watching a, a, a good show. Okay. Well, all right. Now we have something new, Pete. Uh, hey, guys, if you haven't known, all right, include Pete in all your Game of Thrones tweets. He wants to talk about all that stuff with you guys. No, don't. Uh, I, no, because I, <laughs> no, it's not because I don't want to talk about it. It's because I, 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 I will get the free preview of HBO, then I won't subscribe. I'll have to wait for it uh, and then watch it all later. I'll watch the episode tonight, and then I'll be behind. So I don't want to hear it. Or, guys, somebody hook Pete up with a code. Come on. Take care of your boy here. Come on. He gives you all this draft knowledge. I tell you what, maybe he won't even block you or Moochie on Twitter if you're nice enough to give Pete up the code so we can follow along with all you guys. Um, but no, I mean, seriously, guys, look, I mean, I don't fault anybody. Like, you know, Star Wars, yeah, it was cool when I was a kid, the first three episodes. I haven't seen any of those movies since. Yeah, you were there when they came out. Yeah, yeah. Drive-in theaters, Pete. Drive-in theaters, baby. Saw Jaws in a drive-in theater, Pete, if you want to date it back that much. Um, but no, seriously, guys, enjoy it. You know what I mean? Look, I mean, you know, I one of my biggest quotes that I love in life was from the old musician Jim Croce. If you dig it, do it. If you really dig it, do it twice. So, I mean, look, I hold, I will never judge anybody for what they like. I'm a weirdo. I understand. I accept it. We all are in, a, in our own strange way. Uh, but we were able to give you picks 11 through 20 here. We'll um, sit down and record um, a week from today, which will be, you know, this Sunday before the draft. You'll get that out for, you know, late Sunday or Monday, which will be picks uh, 21 through 32. Um, as we just get closer and closer here before, you know, we kick this all off, um, obviously April 25th, whether or not the Browns have activity, but 26th, 27th, Browns should have some major activity. Um, we'll just, you know, obviously just looking forward to it at this point. You know, Pete mentioned last night, it's okay if it could start now. Uh, it's a business. It's just the way it works. They're going to monopolize the living hell out of it like the NFL does with everything. So just patience, guys. Um, but the good news is the weather's getting warmer. There's some other things to occupy your time. Obviously, you Game of Thrones fans, you have that. You got baseball, all that other stuff. But um, we're going to put a bow on this. Uh, you know, we'll sit down tomorrow night. Um, I told you we probably were not going to take a day off between here and the draft. And I think the way the schedule is lining up, you know, unless something I cannot control 
pops or rears its ugly head, uh, we, we should be able to continue that promise to you. So um, obviously, uh, Reed P's work over at NFL Spin Zone. Apparently, there's a draft board now that's getting close uh, north of 120 names for Pete. No quarterbacks, kids. Zero quarterbacks, kids. That's um, true. Uh, and make sure you follow him at underscore Pete Smith underscore as he closes in on 5,000 followers. The Lockdown Browns Twitter account, guys. Uh, it's always follow back. You guys, uh, you know, the, the, the growth of the show and the, the reception of it and how much you guys will enjoy it, it's it, it's just great. We're going to continue to bust our bus, give you everything we can. Follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.